0: Welcome to another episode of The Central Word, a podcast ministry of Central Baptist Church, Texarkana, Arkansas. Today's episode is from the morning message of November 13th and is preached by Brother Ken Adams. We pray this message brings you encouragement as you walk with our Savior this week. Here now is Ken Adams preaching from Colossians 1, 9 through 18. You know it's a great time to find a job I hear people say they can't find a job but man everywhere you look there are signs help wanted and the service that you get in some of these places indicates yeah they need some help (laughs) but uh, I guess that's the weird economy that we're we're in so the boss asked an applicant what makes you qualified to be a waiter and his response was I feel like I bring a lot to the table I know, maybe it gets worse, maybe it gets better. (laughs) A recruiter asked a candidate, why do you expect such a high salary when you have no experience in this field? And she replied, well, the job is much harder when you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) HR asked an applicant, what are your main strengths and weaknesses? My main weakness is that sometimes I have a little trouble telling what's real and what's not. Okay, HR responded, what are your strengths? I'm Batman. (laughs) I've had a lot of jobs in my life, a lot of good ones, some not so hot, but the best one is mentioned in Colossians chapter one, verses nine through 12. Read that with me, please. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with all the knowledge of his will, in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. So the job is the job of saint, being a saint. There in verse 12, and there are some qualifications. They are listed in verse 9. The qualifications for this job are knowledge of God's will, wisdom, and spiritual understanding. So what is the job description? That's in verse 10. Walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Christ, and be faithful in every good work. Now, I have that job, and many of you have it too, because you're a saint and I'm a saint. But how in the world are we qualified for that job? Well, we're qualified because Jesus qualified us. Colossians 1.13 He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have the preeminence. So if you are a Christian, God has qualified you to be a saint. If you are not, God has qualified you to be a saint, but you've got to accept the job. So let's look at this. Christ has qualified you, verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. The Lord has delivered us from darkness, the kingdom of darkness, the, the place of darkness, the, the idea of darkness. But what is darkness? Well, it's a number of things. One thing, it is ignorance. Ignorance. If you walk into a dark room, you're likely, if you're me, to walk into something. <laughs> and knock things over, and break things, and possibly even your toe? Because you're in darkness, you're in ignorance, you don't know what's in the room. There are many kinds of ignorance. There's moral ignorance, where you ask yourself, can I do this? And there's volitional ignorance, that is the act of the will and the making of the decision. Uh, Should I do this? And then there's spiritual ignorance, what are the consequences if I do this? So darkness is ignorance. You just don't know what's going on. Darkness is also fear, fear of the unknown. You know, there are many, un, there are many hidden dangers out there, things that we don't see, things that we don't know about, and, and we can fear these things. For instance, you make a moral decision. Is it the right decision? Is it the wrong decision? Am I going to get sick because I did this? Am I going to lose money because I did this? Am I going to become frustrated or depressed because I did this moral thing? Is it moral or is it immoral? There's volitional uh, fear, too. Uh, Should I choose this house? Should I choose this car? Should I choose this person to date? Should I choose this person to marry? These are decisions, and, and we're never really sure if we're in darkness whether those decisions are correct. And then there's spiritual fear. Maybe I'm following the wrong person. Maybe I'm reading the Bible incorrectly. Maybe I'll fall into a cult. Maybe, 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 maybe this is darkness in our life that God has delivered us from if we are saints. So there's ignorance and there's fear. And and Christ frees people from darkness. Verse 14 again. Or 14, yes in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. That is how he frees people from darkness. So what does it mean to redeem? To to redeem means to buy something from someone else. What has Christ bought us from? Well, Christ has bought us from sin, and sin traps us in darkness, in ignorance, and in fear. These are some of the qualifications we have for being a saint. And he forgave us. You know, we have committed sin, and sin creates a death. The wages of sin is death. That's the death. And it creates all kinds of death. It creates a moral death. The inability to know right from wrong. We wonder, why are these people in this world doing all these weird things? Thinking these things, uh, these, these, these weird thoughts, and living these strange lifestyles. It's because they are immoral. Darkness, moral ignorance. They don't know right from wrong. Those that are saints, though, do know right from wrong. So when we sin, we know we're sinning. (laughs) When they sin, they might be thinking they're doing the right thing, a good thing. Moral darkness that that we have, um, that Christ has has saved us from moral death, volitional death. The inability to make good decisions is is a volitional death. You don't know what to choose. It's like going to McDonald's and going, oh no, what am I supposed to buy? You know, McDonald's used to have a lot more things on the menu than they do now. But people couldn't make decisions, and so they had to cut some of them off so that people could finally get out of line <laughs> and let somebody else be waited on. So there's, there's this volitional death, and there's spiritual death, which of course is separation from God. And ultimately, everything that is good. Jesus qualifies you to become a saint because he moved you into his kingdom. Verse 13. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. That is, he has rescued us from darkness. Now, darkness is a powerful thing, a powerful kingdom. You, I, we cannot conquer darkness on our own. We can try, but our light will just fizzle out. But Jesus conquered darkness. We can't conquer darkness because darkness is cunning. You know, you don't always sense it. And and darkness can masquerade as light because this looks right, though it's wrong. This feels right, though it's wrong. this This makes sense, though it doesn't. Because darkness is powerful and cunning. And Jesus moves you, if you are a saint, out of the realm of darkness into his kingdom of light. This word conveyed that I have in verse uh, four, verse 13, you may have a different one. In fact, I know you have a different one. If you have uh, an NIV, I think you have moved uh, or brought. Yeah, you have brought if it's NIV. But the word means to be transformed. It's much more than just to move. It means to be transformed. Now look at that word transformed in English. Uh, You have the word trans, and you had the word formed. (laughs) That was brilliant, wasn't it? (laughs) Trans means to move from one place to another. Transfer, transit, transcendental, all those trans words. uh, Those are all the ones I'm going to mention right now. (laughs) to move from one place to another. But it also has the word formed. Form means a shape, right? And so if a a potter has a lump of clay, that lump of clay is is a form, right? But then when he converts it into a vase, he has transferred it from one form to another. It is now transformed. This passage is saying that the kingdoms are transformed, darkness, and light, but so is the person who's entering into the kingdom, he has been transformed. If you are a saint, God has qualified you by transforming you from somebody who was in ignorance to somebody who now has knowledge, from someone who was in darkness to someone who now has light, from someone who couldn't make a moral decision to somebody who can make a moral decision, from someone who is lost to someone who is now saved. We are different people. We have been transformed. So Christ has qualified you to be a saint. But what qualifies Christ to qualify you, right? Christ is qualified to qualify because, verse 15 says, he has a superior status. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn, overall creation. Now what does this mean? What is an image? An image is a visual representation of something. And we have images all over the place. If you, um, everybody I suppose does, you can take your camera on your phone and you can take a image of somebody. And there you have it, it looks just like, mine's upside down. What is I wasn't really taking a picture though. It doesn't count. (laughs) So you take a picture, and that picture is an image. If you're an artist, (laughs) you can paint a portrait of somebody. That's how I do it. it. And it looks like that person. It is an image now. And if you have a mirror, then you have an image of yourself, right? So there's a mirror image, and then there's a portrait image, and there's a photo image, and these kind of look look like you, like, but they don't really, you know. All of those are distortions of who you are. You know, a camera has a has a curved lens, right? We know this from somewhere. We know this. And wherever that curve is, at the apex, at at the the part of the curve that's the curviest. <laughs> That's gonna be the fattest part of the picture. Did you know that? So if you don't like your picture because you say it's too fat, it's because it makes me look too fat, it's because the person who took the picture aimed that at your face. So your face becomes round and it becomes fat. Or they aim it somewhere else and it becomes round and fat. (laughs) (laughs) So you, you gotta aim it someplace. So some of you is gonna be distorted. So it is an image but it's not an exact representation of you. Now, the artist the artist is going to paint you with her emotion. And so you better be nice if you're sitting for an artist <laughs> so you get a nice emotional picture. Or He's going to bring something to it or impart something to it. Otherwise, it's no different than a snapshot, right? So the artist is going to, but see, it, it, it's an image of you, but it's not an exact representation. And the mirror, the mirror is why everybody thinks that picture of me doesn't look like me, because the mirror shows a reverse image. And if you don't believe me, you hold up some, some print to a mirror and you'll see that it's backwards, okay? Now, they tell me, the, 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 phys, the scientists say this is all in your head, but I don't understand any of that. All I know is it's backwards, okay? So it's backwards of you. So when you see a, a picture of yourself, you're seeing it backwards from what you normally see, so that's why you think it doesn't look like you. So it's an image, but it's not an exact representation. It's a distortion. All these things are distortions. Now, some kids are spitting images of their parents, right? Of course, we have twins. You know we have twins. Most of you know we have twins. If you don't, you know it it now. And one of them uh, looks like her mom and acts like her mom, so much so that sometimes we call her by her mom's name. Seriously. And one of them acts like her dad and looks like her dad. So she's a different gender, of course. Uh, and, but we don't ever call her by her dad's name because we didn't know him when she, he was 11 years old. <laughs> but they are the spitting image. But still, they're different people. And you can look at them closely. You can see, you can see the differences. Um, and they act different. So they are the image of their parents, but they're not the exact representation. When it says here in, in verse, um, what verse are we in? <clears throat> Say me, tell me again, Chris. 15, 15 okay. Is, <laughs> I don't know anything about the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> it Took me three months to find Colossians. <clears throat> he is the image of the invisible God. So God has no image himself because he's invisible, right? But Jesus is the image. Now, this word image does not mean those things we just talked about. This word image means an exact representation. It's exactly who God is. And so when Jesus was on earth, he acted exactly like God would act. He spoke exactly like God would speak. He looked exactly like God would look if God had a body. Why? Because he is not just the exact representation of God. He is God. He represents God so much because he is God. And because he is God, he is qualified to make you a saint. Because God is in control of everything, right? And he is the last word. He is the last person that interviews you in the process. That is God himself. Christ is also qualified because he is the firstborn over all creation. Fifteen, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Now, this this is troublesome to me at first. The firstborn, Jesus was born until 1 AD, 1 BC, however that works, (laughs) somewhere there. But there was a lot of BCs going on before that. So how can he be the firstborn? But it's not the firstborn of, it's the firstborn over. He is the firstborn over all creation. That's still not all satisfying to me, so let's let's delve in this a little bit more. Verse 16 says that Christ existed before creation. For by him all things were created, et cetera, et cetera. We'll get to that other et cetera's later. So that means he existed before creation, so how can he be the firstborn of creation if he existed before creation? Well, the key is to understand the word, the Greek word here, which is protocitus, okay? For those of you that don't know if I mispronounce that or not, I'm glad. Protocitus, (laughs) you see the word pro in it, though. See the word pro, right, in protocitus? That means before, of course, right? Pro, Pro means before, so, there are three ways the word can be translated. First, it can be translated firstborn. How is the firstborn person Protarchus? It's because he's the first person in the family of the siblings that was born, right? So he's firstborn. It could also be translated superior. And, and it's kind of related to the first one. The firstborn in ancient times got the inheritance, at least the bulk of the inheritance. So he was superior to the others. And it can also be translated existing before. The firstborn exists before all the others that are born. So all of this together means that, well, it means what it says in verse 18, the last part of verse 18. In all things he may have the preeminence. Jesus is superior to everything. Everybody, everything answers to Jesus because he is the creator of all things. Thus, if he is the creator of all things, he himself was not created. And as creator of all things, he is superior. If you make something, you own it, right? <clears throat> Unless, of course, you forget the patent and then someone steals it from you. But, but it's yours, it's yours, and you can do anything you want with it. If I make a table, Which is not likely. But if I make a table, I can turn it into firewood if I want to. Or I can put a beautiful uh, vase of flowers on it. I can do anything I want to because it's mine. Jesus created everything so he can do whatever he wants with anything. And that means he can qualify you to be a saint. Because of his unique status, Christ is qualified. But he's also qualified because... He has accomplished amazing things. Verse 16 again. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and on earth, visible, invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. That means things that are Physical and things that are spiritual. Physical things that you can see, <clears throat> like this stand. Physical things that you can't see, like the air that surrounds us. He created <clears throat> the rivers and the mountains, He created the sky and the stars, the sun and the moon, the Milky Way and the galaxy, and the 100 billion galaxies that we know exist because of the Hubble telescope. He created everything else that's out there, whatever it is, beyond those 100 billion galaxies. And he created the spiritual world. They're all mentioned here. They're mentioned as thrones, dominions, principalities, powers. Some of those positive, some of those negative. He created the angels that surround us, eager to help, waiting for God to say, go help them, and waiting for us to say, God, give us help. He created the demons that are lurking in our midst, urging you back into darkness. He created everything physical, everything spiritual. And Jesus rules both of those realms. Jesus qualifies you to be a saint in the spiritual realm because he maintains everything. Verse 17. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now that's what you have. Consist, the word, I want to think about the word consist. That's what you have if you have the King James Version, if you have the New King James Version. If you have the NIV, or you have the ESV, then you have the phrase holds together. He holds together everything that he created now how how does he do this what does that mean that he holds everything together well he keeps our planets revolving around the sun could you imagine if one of them decided to go somewhere else that would throw all the other ones off because of the gravitational aspect of it and we probably all crash into one another but Jesus maintains that He prevents asteroids from slamming into the earth. You know, every once in a while they say, we're going to get slammed into by an asteroid with duck and cover. (laughs) How do you protect yourself from that? (laughs) But, But Jesus protects us from it by diverting it when it's on our path. All celestial objects move as God's hand, as Jesus' hand moves, because he is by him. All things consist. He maintains order in the spiritual realm as well. When Satan sinned, Jesus threw him out of heaven. The Bible says, I saw Satan fall as lightning. And he did. Instantly, even before he actually did the act, he was thrown out. Before Satan attacks you or one of his demons, he first must get permission from Jesus. Did you know that? First has to get permission from Jesus, who has a plan to rescue you from that attack, of course. And when you trust him as Savior, he transforms you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. So I'm suggesting that you trust Christ and get hired as a saint. That's the title of the job, saint. The qualifications are knowledge of his will, wisdom, wisdom and spiritual understanding. But those are also the things that Christ has given you if you are a saint. The job description is to walk worthy of the Lord, be fruitful in every work, and increase in the knowledge of God. Are you up to it? No, nah. you're not, unless Christ has qualified you. And you are qualified by simply saying, Lord, I know that I am a sinner, and I can't do anything. About it, please forgive my sins. Come into my life and transform me. Make me something different. For the Corey and Miss kathy are coming forward to. Thank you again for listening to this episode of the Central Word Podcast. Our prayer is that this episode serves to build you up in your faith as you walk daily with Christ. May God bless you in this week to come.